Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Wagner. As always, excited to be with you all. It is a privilege to do this, to get to have these conversations, then for you to honor me and us with the opportunity to listen and and to say that what we do brings value to your life. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Sheena Dower, physical therapist uh, in Springfield, Minnesota. She went back to being a physical therapist a little bit later in life. And I think that anytime somebody has gone and had some experience outside of college and then gets to go and chase what they're really excited about, you get to hear that. And you you hear it from Sheena completely today. She is passionate, engaged, excited. She recently competed her te- or completed her 10th Ironman triathlon, right? Marathon is the finishing portion of that. It takes incredible mental toughness to get to that place and then to sign up and do it again. She talks about the privilege of being able to try. I don't know that many of us would feel like being able to try to do it. An Ironman triathlon is a privilege, but that's the type of person she is. We talk about chasing goals that excite us, right? And then understanding what your best is and expecting that, demanding that of yourself. And she's also been able to to kind of grow into some roles in the Springfield community with the school. And, And she's taken on the strength and conditioning role. And she talks about how that newness opens doors to learning. What a cool conversation we get to have today, and I'm excited to bring it to you all. Sheena Dower, here we go. Sheena Dower, I've had the good fortune to to get to know you a little bit over the last year and a half, two years, and really grateful that you you chose to join me and have this conversation because I think it's going to be a, a well of of potential helpful stuff for people. So thanks for joining me. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for asking. I feel very humbled for even being asked. And yeah, great privilege privilege to meet you. This has been a nice surprise in coming back to Springfield and just the benefit of being part of the sports programs at the school. And then this extra icing on the cake with Luke Amston introducing us through the cross country program and just what you've got going on with serving as a mentor to coaches and professionals that want to inspire our youth. So thank you for that. And I appreciate being here with you. Absolutely. I, I like you say, I, I look at it and we kind of had this conversation as I reached out, I said, you know, would you be on? And you're like, what is it about? You know, like, yeah. obviously I listen to podcasts, but what, what does it take? And I, I get that question pretty frequently from guests. Cause it's not, I'm not necessarily highlighting people that do this all the time. I'm, I'm trying to highlight people that are just doing their everyday life and, and serving and, and growing people. And I kind of said, Hey, like the whole, my goal in the podcast is to get to highlight the conversations I get to have in the role that you just described, right. As a mentor, as a, as somebody that does a little bit different teaching and coaching, right. The mental side of the game, I get to have all of these conversations with all of these coaches and all of these people. And I feel super fortunate because I get to learn. And that was, again, you know, for the audience listening, like the reason I thought about Gina is I've learned from you. You know, like I've had the opportunity to sit in a room and have a conversation with you and go, man, that challenges me to think a little bit differently. And that's the goal of the podcast is to bring those conversations to the foreground. And so, um, you know, awesome. I think yeah. I think there's going to be value here. So let's Very let's cool. dive into to yeah. the, the primary thing that I've been thinking about. I know that sometimes people will build this, but talk a little bit about your recent experience. You you are still an endurance athlete. You were a cross country runner as a high school athlete, uh, as a collegiate athlete. And now you're still at least dipping your foot into the endurance athlete pool. I personally believe that endurance training is life training, but I have a bias because I too am a runner and a track athlete, but let's start there. In what way do you see the parallels between kind of training for for endurance athletics and it preparing you to, to live a better life? 
Well, you, you nailed it on the head there. And that would be probably my greatest inspiration for wanting to remain engaged in that endurance sport world. And I gravitate towards it. I mean, to be honest, I do love it. So it makes it really easy for me, but you're exactly right. Training for say just recently here, the Ironman is it's a metaphor for life going through the month by month process to prepare for an event. Um, you lay out a plan. Uh, the plan never goes how you're going to expect <laughs> it to go. Um, and that that's not just race day. I mean, the race day, that plan never goes how we expect it to go either. But the preparation leading up to it, you know, truly, um, I laid out a 16 week progressive program, but the training started a year ago, the training started years ago, right? Yeah. And that's why it is a metaphor for life. Um, you set a goal, you choose a goal that's inspirational to you. And that's different for everybody. And um, you and I both thrive on helping people find goals they want to chase. I mean, there's nothing more exciting than appealing to somebody that choosing to do something that's scary to them is so worth it and spending yeah. the time committing to it. And then embracing the ups and downs, the strikes and gutters, because they're every day, you know, once in a while. And I, you know, this was my ninth Ironman Wisconsin, my 10th Ironman overall. Um, I can think of one year that the training went well and the race went well, but every other year it didn't. <laughs> yeah. But I keep going back. And to be honest, I look forward to signing up again for the next year's race, even before this year's race is over with, because I just I love that. I I need that. I truly do need it in my work as a physical therapist, in my work um, now as a strength coach in our local high school. I need to to participate in that from a variety of different capacities, from the physical capacity I learn about my body. And then that helps me treat my patients from a mental capacity. I learn what it feels like to hurt, uh, both literal, like as in I hurt from a workout, but then also as in injuries and how to handle that. Um, I have to feel that. Otherwise I will lose the compassion and empathy of each person that walks in my door. And it, it does help that I love it. Right. Yeah. Um, I do feel absolutely blessed that it is not difficult for me to walk out the door and go for a run, go for a bike, swim, or really almost anything physical in nature. I truly love it. But kind of tying it back here, signing up for those events is not hard for me because I know what's going to happen in the months to come. And all of it is just a parallel to handling life, just, that just the ups and downs. I love this, this thought process that when you sign up, you like the first time, right. There is trepidation. There's fear. Like, what am I doing? How, like, I, and probably that's true every time. Like, okay, I've, I've committed to this thing in a way that might be insane. And you said, you just said this thing that's really powerful, right? We have to set goals that are, that inspire us to chase the thing and, and so when we set that goal, when we sign up again, we aren't just signing up for race day. We're signing up for a lifestyle that supports getting to race day. And I, like, and, you know, I think as coaches, we understand this, you know, like listeners, coaches out there, you understand when a kid signs up in the spring for a fall event or, you know, whatever, you know, that the only way that they're going to be successful in this is if they commit to the lifestyle of that sport, right? That idea that we're going to, you know, and some people do it to, to varying degrees. I love that you also talked about getting to experience the pain, getting to experience the mental challenge feels like it keeps you compassionate and having empathy for your patients, for the students that you're working with. Talk to us about some of those experiences that you've had that have maybe shaped that revelation that, okay, if I'm not doing this, I oh, don't yeah. know that I feel as closely connected to the people oh. I'm serving. Oh, that, I mean, that's, that's all that I am. Yeah. Um, truly. I mean, 
of course, every person, I'm a physical therapist. Um, every person that walks in my door is not an athlete, but they are. Um, a mom is an athlete. Uh, a farmer, oh yeah, they're more of an athlete than me. Um, my dad, a mechanic, he's an athlete. So no, they're not walking out the door to go for a run. Um, and they're not getting in the pool to swim laps, but they're an athlete. Their body demands physical performance. And I cannot be a mechanic. I cannot be a farmer. I cannot be a mother in, in, in meaning that I cannot be in their shoes, but I have to put myself through life and in my world that is sport. And by doing those things, I'm able to draw parallels and correlations to the demands of their work the possible pain and injury that caused them to walk in my door or place that phone call so that I can, can literally try to hash out what may be able to help them from a physical standpoint, the mental standpoint, the brain that walks in my door is different for every person. And so lots of times I'm trying to relate to people that are not athletes. They're getting up every day and doing the demands of life. Again, they are athletic in my world. The demands of a farmer are extremely athletic as far as physically demanding, but also psychologically demanding. I have to be able to take a step back, recognize what brought them in the door was a a physical ache or pain, but then I'm also handling whatever's happening inside their brain. um, And that pertains to what's going on in their life right now, but then their entire life all the way back to their childhood. It's truly it's amazing. And, and there's no like amount of college that you could take yeah. or courses that you could take that prepare you for that. But it's awesome. It's, it's fantastic. And when I put myself out there to train for races and participate in events and just the everyday knit and gritty, no, it's not climbing under a car and changing somebody's oil or fixing the engine. And no, it's not climbing over gate after gate of that, that hog pin. But I'm committing to something like they commit to their work every day. I'm putting my body through the demands of physical work like they put their body through demands. So I'm, I'm relating to them. I'm relating to them in the way that we just get the work done. And we oftentimes don't think about our machine until it starts to break down on us, being sure. the, our body being the machine. And I can draw compassion from that and then absolutely understand that when they are in pain, everything stinks. Yeah. Everything. Like their relationships sink. They can't concentrate. Of course, they can't get their work done. Now their livelihood is suffering, so on and so forth. So yeah. me participating in these events, I truly feel as an obligation. I mean, and I don't take that in a negative or derogatory way whatsoever. Um, because because I'm not going to go be a mechanic. I'm not going to go be a farmer. I got to do something right. And I got to keep learning about my body, my brain. And that helps me relate and be able to understand and be compassionate towards them. And yeah, I just, if I wasn't doing what I do as an athlete, I truly feel I'd be lost in my clinical practice. I honestly believe that. I I'm so fascinated by that. And, and it's part of why I, I wanted to have the conversation. Cause I just view you as a learner, right? You have this heart of like, I want to learn, but there's, there's another connection there, right? There's a piece there that is compelling. And the, and the compelling piece that you're talking about, is like, I would feel lost in my practice if I wasn't doing the work of being able to at least relate somehow to this physical pain. And, and you said, whatever the reason they called for, it causes their life to stink in some way, right? I think that's very true because as athletes, we know this, we don't go and see the person until the mental strain, until the psychological strain is such that I can't continue to do this and I need to fix my body because the mental challenge is so demanding. And I think that we can lose that sense when we just deal with the physical consistently. So you go and sign up to do these races and that's the mental challenge of, okay, every day I'm committed. They're committed every single day to get under the car, to, to walk out to the barn, whatever it might be to lift a kid. Right. I, I, I empathize 
100% with that right now like most of my morning right we're sure. we're talking about 9 30 a.m i've been up for a couple hours most of my morning has been spent holding a child this morning <laughs> right like and and so there is there is a world where that that's a relentless yeah sort it's of non-negotiable wave after wave after wave every single day every single hour of every day and like again, as athletes, as coaches, as leaders, we know that that's true for our charges also, right? And and I just I look at that as saying, okay, not only is Sheena a a, a learner, right, and she has this heart that is like, I want to learn and understand this thing, but there's something else here. And I was curious what the other thing was, and you just you laid it out so clearly, and then it it goes to what what I do. Well, how does the mental game contribute to this? How does how does your mental preparation again put you in that space to be the best physical therapist you can be? And I'm talking specifically about how do you prepare mentally or how do you handle the challenges, the mental strain in in preparation? We'll talk about race day in a second because I have sure. other questions about race day, but sure. the mental prep for for an endurance event is really, really challenging because if you don't do it daily, you feel like you're off the wagon, right? You feel like, Absolutely. Oh, I'm falling behind. So how do you, how do you manage that? And then how does that contribute to your practice? Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I could, um, I can think back even into uh, like the, the high school level when, you know, sports were newer as far as track and, and cross country and, and even into academics here at Springfield high school, I can, I can pick out certain names of teachers and coaches that stick out in my brain now. And when I reflect on what did all those people have in common, how did they impact me that has allowed it to stay with me all this time? And what they did was they, they challenged you to think just a step further. For example, an English te teacher that said, okay, read one line of that Shakespeare poem and talk about it okay, read the next line of that Shakespeare poem and talk, like just like dissecting it and just being really appreciative of that. But then that carried through into my athletics, which took more of a forefront in college. And um, unfortunate to say that my academics kind of got set to the side because in my brain, it was all about running in the, at the college level, but still that honed in on my desire to dig learn about the body and learn about how to push myself. It was more of a physical push and dissection. And it wasn't until later, truly when I went back to PT school later in life, where I was kind of able to combine the two, both the physical and the mental and dissect and prepare, if you will. So in that case, as in physical therapy school, the obvious preparation of preparing for academics. And now as a physical therapist, Every single patient requires preparation, mental preparation. You know, sometimes I have a little bit of a heads up, right? A phone call that gives me an idea of, hey, Sheena, this is this happened. Um, I was on the football field and did this cut, and this, so I'm able to mentally prepare, dissect it, and then I also have the advantage here in Springfield, in a small town, of I kind of know this person, I know this kid, I maybe know their history, I know their family. It sounds weird, like those things shouldn't matter. They do. They really, really do. Because you're not just working with somebody's knee. You're working with everything about them. Yeah. And so every patient requires that preparation. Some literal, like open up a book or search some sites to find research, but also digging into the well of mental preparation of, okay, who's walking in my door? Is it a 14-year-old kid who doesn't have much of a history? Or is it a 65-year-old who has this complicated history? All of it requires mental preparation and endurance to listen and then <laughs> listen, do a lot of, do a lot listen of listening. again, right? Yeah, a lot of listening to feel what that person needs. Um, and that, that, I mean, that's about as far as it can go until that person's right in front of you, because it's from there that the next steps can be taken. You know, I can have a tentative plan, kind of like I can have a tentative race plan of how a visit will go. If say you, Jamie Wagner walked in my door, I'll have a tentative plan and it might go kind of like that, or it might really go left to center because I don't know 
you, I can only do so much. So the mental preparation, and you can ask the kids that I've been privileged to work with now in the school setting, mental preparation is huge in my world from an athletic standpoint, obviously, but from a daily practical clinical practice setting, mental preparation is, is huge. That makes a lot of sense. And I don't think that we think about that all the time. You know, I, my, my world goes much better, even just like the day-to-day of parenting goes much better when my wife and I sit down the night before and talk about, well, what's going on tomorrow, right? What do we have tomorrow? What sort of stressors are we going to have? And again, it never goes to plan, but there is a sense of, I can handle the day a little bit differently. Right. And, and especially when you're in collaboration with another person, it's different being in in solo, but like how many times, you know, my wife just asked me like, what do you have tomorrow so that I can be prepared for when naps are, when food is all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. I should be more clear in my communication on that sort of stuff because it allows us to function at a different way. Right. If you don't know anything about the patient when they walk in the door, it just makes the process take longer, right? You don't, Absolutely. you don't have any of that prior knowledge that helps you attack it. And like I, you said something interesting, you said to feel what this patient is going through. Like there's an intuitive piece to that, right? Uh, absolutely. And you could go, you know, I'm not going to be your best source of this. And there definitely are these folks out there, but I'll say that I'm getting better. And I'm sure that just comes with maturity and experience now being a physical therapist for 10 years, but you can feel the energy of a patient. And I'm not going to go into like psychic medium type of um, conversation here, because I'm not going to claim that I have that um, knowledge and understanding to that level, but every person has an energy. And every person's energy is affected by infinite number of things. Um, And it requires you to stop, pause, and listen and feel. You can feel it as soon as they walk in the door. You can feel it over the phone um, if you're having a conversation with them. But you can feel it when they walk in the door. And then, of course, I am extremely uh, blessed and privileged in that I actually get to serve people with hands-on care the ones that need it. And of course you can feel energy in that capacity. And that often it serves as a director and in terms of where we need to go, it allows the patient to trust me. If I respond to their energy and respect their energy, it allows me to provide them with care without even a word being said, just by the flow of our, our energy and, and mutual respect for each other. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a real thing. It, it happens certainly even in the the athletic setting, you know, I'm, I'm in a room with 40 football players and there's a whole bunch of energy going on there, obviously, but I'm also talking about each individual's energy and where it's at. I mean, nine times out of 10, it might be somewhere else because they're teenage boys. Right. But it matters to stop and pay attention to that because there's certainly some that are sitting there with the energy of something else is going on in their life. Right. And that matters too, because their brain isn't thinking about strength training right then. Right. You know, so like these things matter to me, it just because I feel like it matters in my own life and those folks that paid attention to that and me, maybe that helped me. So I want to be able to serve that role as well. I mean, it, it may look like from the outward perspective in the eye, oh, Sheena comes and lifts weights with the kids. Yes, that is exactly what I do. But I look at it entirely differently. I try to see these kids, feel their energy, learn from them, of course, help them understand their bodies and, and use their athleticism in a positive way. But I truly pray that I am benefiting them from a mental standpoint way more than I care about their physical standpoint. But that's just my yeah. secret hope. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think the longer you do that, and it's interesting because you just started working with with 
young athletes in a strength training sort of setting in, in that strength and conditioning context. And I, I'm, I'll have a couple of questions about that here in a little bit, but I think that the longer you do sport and if you do it well enough, if you compete at a level that, and the, the level you've clearly competed at, you start to understand that the outcomes aren't the physical outcomes, aren't the important stuff, right? We, as coaches, we talk a lot about, you know, as a wrestling coach, for example, I, I think about how much wrestling taught me, right? I started this conversation with endurance athletes. Endurance training is life training, right? I, I learned that running, right? I learned that doing the thing. And so as coaches, we often say the thing that is really valuable about sport, about even strength training is the discipline it creates, the routine it creates, the things you're going to take from this into other areas of life. And that, you know, I think that we're exposed to that more and more as we age and mature. And you even said that, right? The, the curious thing I have in that is how does that reality, that perspective, right? Knowing that, that the physical outcomes are the least important part of all of this relate to race day for you personally, because we are competitors, we want to go and compete at a high level. So how do you square that circle a little bit? You know, like it, we want to compete. We want to do well. I have a set of expectations. I have a goal for myself. I want the outcome to be a certain thing. And in hindsight, two days from now, three days from now, I know I'm not really going to care about the time that I ran the time that yeah. I completed this event. in. Yeah. Well, I guess this might just seem like a simple answer, but I'll just try to explain it. Um, I care about a 100% effort. Sure. That's it. So obviously for myself, and then I can reference the, the kids and the patients that I am privilege to work with as well. But if we just refer to your specific question, as far as let's just relate to an Ironman example where I've done it enough times now, obviously, and I've had a gamut of results that I know what I'm capable of. That's it. Age doesn't matter to me. Um, I know what I'm capable of as far as a time of performance. And that matters, but I also know like in the buildup, I know what I'm capable of on a specific distance run as far as what that feels like. And then with that feeling comes a certain time, sure the time, but the time comes with what I feel. I know what a hundred mile bike ride will look like when I'm giving my best effort when I'm healthy. I know what 4K swim will look and feel like when I am giving my best up. So I know what those all look like. And I'm always striving for that or better. Yeah. That's it. Like that, that is the, the hands down standard. That's the standard. And I, I'm not going to give on those standards. So this past, so if I just use this past Ironman, which injury started a year ago and even despite the injury of a left hamstring at 16 weeks pre Ironman, I set forth on a, a pro, you know, program of progressive preparation. All of it was trash. It was, it was garbage because I was in pain the entire time. Mm -hmm. I never hit the times that I knew I could hit. I never hit any close to the distance run that I know I could do and so on and so forth it really would have been easy and definitely contemplated just bailing on the whole thing many times. Um, So I don't know if I should say it's a good idea to keep pushing forward. Um, I always relate mostly to just my specific self that again, just there's lessons to be learned. I did the best I could with what I had. I went into race day with expectations of, knowing what the preparation looked like, this is probably how it's going to go. Of course, there's always that one little 0.01% that's banking on a miracle, right? Like I'm going to whip out, right? But you know, (laughs) that doesn't happen. So we we put that way back here in the corner of our brain. And I went to reality of this is how it's probably going to go. 
And I had to do even more mental preparation for that because what I was put into a position of was that I really had never been in before was I was mentally preparing to complete this event in a lot of pain. And I didn't, I'd never really had to do that before where it's actual physical, literal pain. Um, or I was going to have to just choose to walk and this stinking thing might not get done in time type of, yeah. mental, you know, it's like a different mental preparation. Um, and so you going back to your original question, the, the mental preparation for, yes, you care about outcome, but also, you know, in two days, it ma- doesn't matter. I guess I really don't care. I just know that I'm capable of this and I'm going to prepare for that. And I love preparing for it and learning and it never goes that way. (laughs) And this year being a prime example of that being my slowest time ever and feeling like garbage and, and all this, but guess what? I can't wait to try again. You know, like how cool is that? Just the privilege of being able to try whether it's this or something else. Like if you choose something else, whoever comes in my door, patients, nobody really yet has said they wanted to try an Ironman. Well, that's fine. But I've had a couple people maybe that say they want to do a 5k or more commonly it's, Hey, I want to be able to walk out to the barn without pain. Yeah. Okay. That's our goal. Now here's what I want to see your commitment to achieving that goal. That's what I thrive on. I thrive on people's passion, even if it's just to walk to their barn without pain, commit to that goal. I thrive on that farmer coming in and saying to me, I'm doing those stretches every day and I feel better. She is fueled for the week. Like (laughs) I'm just like, that fuels me. I love that. Whatever it is, you know, and if it's bigger goals, different goals, um, and the same with the kids in the school. You know, um, I love to see that passionate commitment. So I'm, I'm going to dig a little bit here and think about the mental challenge of, of prepping with an injury because it is the worst thing, right? I, you know, I, I tore a meniscus my, my senior year playing football and it was the first game of the year and we played 14 games and it was like, you know, at some point it just, it got better because I was constantly moving and active and all these things. But they're like, as an athlete, we are constantly dealing with injury. And you said it, every one of us, ha- you know, moms, mechanics, farmers, we all have athletic demands on our body. And so when we have this physical ailment, this physical pain that we're experiencing, it brings a different level of every like stress to oh, everything. Just, right. Yeah. And so as you go to this, you get to the 16 week mark and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this progressive training. I have this hamstring that I know isn't right. What is the process like for you to make the decision? I'm going to do this number one. And then like, maybe it's a good decision. Maybe it's not a good decision because you have a set of knowledge that is different than most people. And this is, this is the so here's here's the big picture question I've been thinking about the whole time I've been thinking about having you on. In a race, you have an understanding of what your body is doing in a way that 99% of competitors do not have. I, right, working in the mental space, when I go and run, I know if I control my breathing, the run is better. I know if I control my thoughts, the run is better. And yet, it's probably one or 2% of the time that I'm running that I'm actually focused on my breathing or I'm focusing on controlling the, the, the thoughts that I'm having, not letting the thoughts come to me and overwhelm me of how much longer this sucks, da, 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 right. All the, the feelings we have when we're training for endurance events or just running or whatever. How often are you thinking about what your body is doing from an intellectual standpoint even in the run up to training, <laughs> you're doing it all the time. Yeah, it really is. It's constant for me, but that, that is, I, I, I love that too. I love the mechanical processing, the, the dissecting, the understanding, you know, I wasn't your A plus athlete or, or A plus student chemistry is what got me, for sure. but then, <laughs> but then PT school, I mean, you got to do it right. And where I was an older 
older student going through PT school, I truly found value just in that possibly in a way that potentially my younger classmates maybe didn't. I had some life experience uh, previous that allowed me to embrace, say, now again, the neurobiology, the biomechanics, the, and then obviously anatomy, physiology. So, and I started to really thrive on that in a way that I hadn't before, say in undergrad um, previously. So in PT school, I started to appreciate this love of kind of what I always loved about running. You know how when you watch a, or, or just an athlete, right? An athlete who just is like, they just are natural, I guess is yeah. the best, right? A beautiful runner running a four minute mile. Like, you know, you, you don't see it very much, right? I appreciate that from, uh, obviously from like the, what they physically did to train to get there, but just the beauty of their mechanics, right? Like the degree of their hip flexion to the degree of their knee flexion to the placement of their foot to their, like what that mechanically looks like. And so as I was able to go through PT school and actually get the foundation of that knowledge and now being in practice and then applying it in my sport, I love that because as I'm in the Ironman marathon and pretty miserable, I'm thinking about, all right, Sheena, pull your pelvis in this direction, grab your foot, put it here. And that takes the pressure off of your, you know, like I'm processing that. This is my exact question, right? This is my exact question because I think there are some kids out there. There are some coaches out there that we have to lean into our nerdiness and for lack of a better term, right? Because it's going to help us perform better. Like I was, I was a, I was a film guy in football. I wasn't the biggest athlete. I wasn't the fastest athlete. I got by on knowing exactly where I needed to be because of some sort of cue from (laughs) the other team, right? I spent a lot of time in the intellectual side of this. And so you talking about hip forward, knee here, foot here, it actually helps remove the stress of the injury, like literally to you. Yeah, a little bit, definitely. And, and I will, I mean, you're right. We need to appeal to these people. I'll just tell you from 10 years of clinical practice and, and very few in pharmacy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there isn't a time. Like I'll even say some of my family members, right. Who have to live with me and listen to me trying to tell them, okay, now if you want to be out of pain, This is what you got to do. You cannot bend your spine that way. It's not going to work. But really, we're getting a a little bit of glassy eye. For sure. (laughs) Just get me out of pain, you know, and that's okay. Because then again, here's another challenge, right? That that person is giving me the glass eye. They're not following me, but they're still going to be in pain. I need to find another way to appeal to them. And this is just another piece of the puzzle, right? Absolutely. But those few that really want to nerd out on it. Yeah, I love that. You know, as far as dissecting it. But but again, to me, it speaks to the challenge that we as leaders face, right? Is get to the place that each of your followers, of your charges, needs you to be at that is an incredibly difficult thing and what i think is part of the key here is like don't ignore the passions for you because as you talk about me signing up to do an iron man me is my passion it's something i love to do it's something i'm excited about but it also connects me to my patients in the way that I, that i need to connect because then i'm now back in on the passion side i'm back in on the engagement and the excitement side and so there is this like I have to be ready for each patient. I have to be ready for each person. I have to be psychically, physically, emotionally, mentally ready for everything that this person is going to bring me because it's unique and it's specific and their history might change. Okay. That's each one of our athletes. That's each one of our employees. It's each one of our family members, yada, yada, yada. And I can't be so committed to that, that I get burnt out on this thing. I have to fill the cup, you know? And yep. so when, when you say I have somebody that's committed to this process fills me up, right? That's oh, for really sure. exciting for me. I love this, this idea of whole practice, me like whole person, whole practice, right? So you've served your whole person by 
by running and competing and doing these things. They serve their whole person by being who they are, right? And we have to open the door to them wherever they are. But I can't do that empty. You know, like it's a very complicated sort of process. And I think, you know, we see the exodus from coaching. We see the exodus from teaching. I would imagine that there's high turnover in PT practice also, right? You're, You're not necessarily at a place for 10 or 15 years just because the stress of meeting all of those needs is really challenging. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, um, uh, amazing at the same time. Um, and I think, you know, I have been blessed. I worked for eight years in a hospital setting in Montevideo, Minnesota, in a hospital where I got nothing but respect from our administration to pursue the passions in, in my, desires in in that capacity. It was um, some specialty practices of physical therapy because I was in a setting where kind of the athletes were already covered. And so while that was a bummer for me, obviously being an athlete myself at that time as well, I got to pursue other specialty populations. But the underwriting of that that should be noted is that I was supported Yes, I had to turn over patients. Yes, I had to, you know, bring in revenue. Yes, that was a priority. But above that, and I could feel that above that was, we have patients that have needs, and you're willing to pursue the education to help them go get it. And I got nothing but support from that. And it it made it extremely difficult to leave that practice. Um, However, it has put me in a really good position to now serve in continued populations here. And then now being in Springfield opened up new doors where they're the athletes aren't as taken care of, or, you know, just a different capacity. And now I get to open up a whole new set of doors, right? Those other doors that were opened in the past, they're still open. And I'm so thankful for the, the support I got for that in the past. And it showed me what an employer some, an employer should, should look like not everybody's blessed that way. Um, so I will happily give the, give the thanks to them. Um, but now in this setting, very thankful as far as the, the school opportunities and community opportunities, um, some very similar, obviously to Montevideo, but some very new. And then that's awesome because now guess what? I got a whole bunch of new stuff to learn. Yeah. Like, I don't know anything about Olympic lifting. I don't know anything <laughs> about being on a football field. All right, let's figure it out. Right. To the yeah. extent of like, who wants to play a game of tackle football this weekend? Because I need to feel what that feels like. <laughs> Because I don't know. I mean, that matters to me. I know. I know. Really? It's so it's so real. And yet, like, I, I laugh because it's so true. Like, what I know of you, it just, like, it makes so much sense, <laughs> yeah. right? It just well, makes complete sense. Idea what that feels like. And golfers come in my clinic and I'm like, ah, let's go do a round of golf. You know, I need to feel, I can learn it in a, in a textbook and I can watch some videos. But until I have felt that, I consider myself at least moderately unworthy and unqualified to help this person. I'll still try to help them, but I'll be full and upfront with them and say, I'm not a golfer. I haven't been on that football field, but guess what? This is what I see. I'll evaluate you, work on you. But if I'm not helping you, I either got to go get on that field or on that golf course, or I got to find you somebody that has, because that matters. And when I participate in sport and feel these things as a runner, as a swimmer, as a biker or any, you know, combination of that, that allows me to relate to my patients in some way, that's invaluable. You can't put a price tag on that. Absolutely. That brings me to the, to the question about the strength training piece that is, is relatively new for you. I know that like Luke Amson, who's been on the podcast and, and is probably my biggest champion. And he clearly was like, you should talk to Sheena. Also I was like, yes. And then I dawdled and then he's like you should talk to sheena i'm like yes okay let's do it um but he's just like they're so excited right at the school and the community to say somebody with knowledge right with any knowledge about the human body can come in and help these kids 
growing get better. So where are where's the biggest learnings, kind of the biggest eye openers for you walking into a weight room? Let's talk with a football team because I, with a cross country team, we know functional strength as an endurance athlete is probably right up your right on your wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about football being an explosive sport, uh, five or six second sport, volleyball, yeah. kind of similar and explosive, an explosion sport, get off the ground, right? Not an endurance sport. How has that process shaped and, and influenced your learning right now? What is exciting yeah. about it for you? Oh, well, it's ridiculously humbling and exciting. You know, I, I love strength training and if I haven't, hadn't been an endurance athlete all these past years, I firmly believe I would have been trying to get into somebody's CrossFit box or some other form of strength training. Because once again, it goes back to the beauty of the efficiency of people pulling a 300 pound snatch over their head. Are you kidding me? That only (laughs) happens when they have perfected the movement and the techniques. And I find that appreciation now of course, to a slightly lesser capacity, because we're not talking about the Olympics here, we're talking about high school sports, but it doesn't matter. Um, What it boils down to is we still want to aim for that level of efficiency with our bodies, because that's what keeps the injuries out of out of place and that out of out of our bodies. And it's what puts us in a good position for performance. And so what I found is just a crash course, because it came on pretty quickly, but I'm excited to see how it evolves over time here but a crash course in diving into explosive sport, explosive sport off-season, explosive sport pre-season, explosive sport in-season. Of course, the baseline of that needs to be Sheena, physical therapist, body mechanics, injury prevention, but just like 500 new doors to lean into and explore. And a little bit, unfortunately, is trial by fire, you know, because we're we're in our season right here. Yeah. We're, we're heading into mid season uh, and that's okay. Um, because I've got, uh, you know, great support in the school setting, great coaches and kids that, that are giving me good efforts and it's fun. Um, and then I just, you know, what it looks like now is very likely light years away from what it will look like. Yeah. Probably even come winter or spring, because I got to keep learning. I know this much and there's this much to learn about being a strength and conditioning coach. And I know that, but if I can at least keep my eye on mechanics, keep my eye on safety, and then throw in the awareness of where we're at in the season and what that specific sport might need, I think, I feel like we're at least heading in the right direction. And then I also know just as a practical adult athlete, who's been around the block, mostly I want to appeal to their mental fortitude and grit, like come in my weight room and maybe I give you something that doesn't even have anything to do with your sport, or you can't tell that it does, but give me your hundred percent effort. Like just let's do it. Right. There's a lot of value in that. Of course, I'm not doing that, but I, that I also like to make sure that we're heading into that because that, that mental commitment to just my 30 minutes that I'm with them, that then comes over into their practice and into their oh, games. Yeah. I, or at least I, I believe strength, that. I had a strength coach tell me it's not about the weights. Yeah. And he was like a strength coach, right? He's like, it's not about the weights. It's about showing up to do the weights. It's about what you get being there with your teammates. It's about being committed to a process that you're going to do every single day and then seeing growth much later, you know, like everybody wants immediate gains. Everybody wants to go in there and see the bench number raise or the squat number raise or the clean or whatever, right? We want it. We want those numbers to go up. We're motivated deeply by progress, right? I, like as human beings, we see progress and we're like, woohoo, let's go. Sure. But he was, he was just committed to this idea. Like it has so little to do with the number you're moving, right? It, it's nothing to do. Like it, I go back it, earlier in this conversation. It's not about the physical outcome, right? We have yeah. so much other stuff here that is really, really valuable. You, your strength here is what you said, Sheena, like body mechanics, injury prevention. Mm-hmm. Speak to us a little bit. Cause there's a lot of coaches out there that are given the keys to the weight room literally and said, and say, Hey, here you yeah. go. Make yeah. your athletes stronger. Let's talk about where you are strong. The body mechanics, injury prevention stuff. Can you give us a few tangible, practical things to be paying attention to when we're thinking about strength and development of these, these young athletes so that we can, we can 
take something from this and say, I can apply this tomorrow yeah. in what I do so that my kids can have better mechanics or I can be, be more conscientious about their injuries. Yeah. Well, I would say the, the number one recommendation I'm going to make is probably the hardest thing for most people and coaches to keep, which is just be in the room and put your eyes on the kid. Like that's it. Most of us know we haven't been through like a body mechanic physiology class, right? Um, maybe some have, but many haven't, but we can at least identify when things look a little bit wonky, right? Yeah. Pretty sure that kid's not supposed to be squatting with that bar over his head, just on his toes. Right. I mean, yeah. at least that much, but you're never going to see that if you're not in the room without your eyes on the kid. And I respect, you know, I, I don't want to speak out of place here. We got teachers and coaches that are demanded of far outside their capabilities, far. And so how awesome is my role now? Like that I can take some demand off of these already overly excessively demanded teachers and coaches. I feel great privilege and honor in that. So I'm thankful because it's like you throw school and probably they got a family and kids of their own and this and that, and then practice. And now also let's get to the weight room. Good grief. You know, it's hard for me to condemn them from stepping out of the room. Right. But if I had to give one suggestion to a, a person that may be given those keys is that a lot of very simple things could be improved if just simply you're in the room, just scanning, you know, um, and uh, I'm privileged again that I'm, I'm able to be supported in that role now. Uh, the second thing that I guess I really thrive on is making sure that I feel confident in my knowledge. And what I mean by that is I'm constantly looking at updated research. Yeah. I just have to. It, it's required in my practice as a physical therapist. And now in this new role, it's, of course, just beginning. And like I said, a whole bunch of new doors for me to try to step into, but I'm super excited about it because already I find research that's just like blowing me out of the water about squats and squat depth. And of course, we don't need to get into that conversation because <laughs> you'll find a hundred different opinions, but I love that, right? I love the challenge of it. And then I apply it to me. And then what I have to do is through my own learning of now trying front squats and now trying overhead squats and now trying hand cleans as I feel them, I have to then apply it to my kids and my adults for what's best for them. It's not a one size fits all. And I know what I'm describing here is an extremely time consuming situation and not everybody has that, but I'd rather that than a whole bunch of, um, possible injuries, um, or half baked efforts, right. That aren't getting the full potential. So those would be just some suggestions that I might have for yeah, whatever. I echo that a hundred percent, be in the room. Right. And then know a little something, right. Just get in the, go back a few episodes, listeners, right. Dr. Chris Gertz, former oh, right. professor of mine, right. Be a part of the conversation. Right. Like right. put your foot in the conversation, just know what people are talking about because the way that it was done when I was in college, which doesn't feel like it's that long ago, but it was right. right. It was, yeah. let's be real. Yep. The, the research has changed. Yeah, the, absolutely. The processes that are good outcome driven processes have changed. Like people are, people have made discoveries about the human body. Yep. And, and then there is the value of like, Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it too. Right. I had a coach that told me this stuff all the time too. True. Right. Hey, what we're doing works. Yeah. Like yeah. sharpen it by sure. your knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. But so there, there is, there is a, again, this constant tug of war that is, yeah. that is this yeah, process is. in learning and. and yeah. Growth. And I think that's okay. I think that's, that's just fine to question things. You know, even if we just use the squat, um, squat technique as an example, just because it seems to be an easy one to target. Um, you know, I, when I went through PT school in the first, well, until I moved here, truly. So I started strength training, I had a certain way of squatting and it was largely based on mechanics of the body that would prevent knee pain and keep say middle to, to elderly folks safe and, and healthy, uh, not best for youth sports and dynamic explosive movements. So then in my research, 
and, and starting to prepare myself for things like a, a hang clean, power clean, um, any version of those power lifts. And Sheena's, Sheena's having to step back and say, you know, what you previously thought as wrong or bad isn't wrong or bad. And here's the research to prove that. And that's awesome, right? Like, no doubt. Again, Sheena's humbled. Love it. Like, let's keep challenging things and finding new. I mean, it's, I'm lucky. I'm very lucky. I get, I think. It might it might seem like a strange place to end in some ways because we're we're diving into the, okay. the conversation about strength training. But I think this okay. is so true, right? When yeah. when you are when the door is open, yeah. when you start to learn a little bit, the, the blessing of coaching, the blessing of teaching, of being in a leadership position is that there are no absolutes. You have to continue to strive yeah. to grow and get better. And the answers might be there, but they're, they're, the time frame on that answer is finite, right? right. I think that is, that is an amazing thing to open yourself to that reality to say, I have to continue to move also just because I'm in the position of leadership as the expert or as the leader or as the boss does not mean that this process of growth is over for me. In fact, it might mean the exact opposite. Yeah, no, no, you better stay on top of your A game um, because it is always changing as a physical therapist that is demanded of. I mean, that's a non-negotiable. You're in the research as a pelvic health specialist. That couldn't be more true. Pelvic health, physical therapy is still a very young specialty and it is constantly changing. Mm -hmm. I'm blessed now that I often get to serve in a teaching role to some of the residency level type classes that I get to go to. And every time I go back, there's new stuff. And it's like, geez, I shouldn't be teaching nothing here. I should be a student again. Right. But that's awesome. How cool is that? And now I'm just thankful for these opportunities here to, to learn, um, in, in newer capacities and just keep trying to strive to, to serve those that walk in my door, whoever I'm in front of. So what an amazing mindset. I should be a student again, right? That's it. That's a great gift to give to our people. Sheena Dower. I'm so, so happy that we got to have this conversation. I, it stretched me, it challenged me. It's going to grow our people. Thank you so much. Thank you for asking. Thanks again to Sheena. I'm so happy and grateful that she joined because if you don't hear her excitement, her passion, her love of what she does. That is just clear and obvious to me every time I engage with her. And that is that is a powerful thing, right? It is a powerful thing to walk into a room full of students or to have a patient walk in and for you to be excited about serving them, about getting the chance to grow them. Are you excited? Am I excited when I walk in the door? I, I was talking to a leadership group that I've worked with many, many times. And I told them every single time I feel nervous for almost every podcast episode. I'm 120 some episodes in. I feel a sense of nervousness. My body is preparing for what I get to do, the excitement of what I'm about to do because it's it's a passion it's a joy for me and it fills me up and i want it to fill me up i want it to go well how do you bring that passion and excitement to me that was always part of the reason why i wanted to have this conversation the second reason is because every time i've ever talked to sheena she has been asking questions wanting to learn. And I feel in the same way that she, she mentioned multiple times, like, I feel like I don't necessarily know the answer. I have to go and learn myself. And so I, I give my experience, I give what I've done, what I, but it might not be right. And she's like, okay, let's learn this thing. And then let's do it. That last piece that we talked about, like, should I should be a student again, right? I shouldn't be teaching this. Having the heart to say, I don't know it all, having the awareness to say, I don't know it all is what makes great leaders, what makes great 
coaches, what makes great strength and conditioning coaches. And it clearly makes great physical therapists. Also, whatever we do, right. I, I, again, I've mentioned Ryan holiday many times on this podcast, but he, he challenges people to read, to learn readers are leaders. He says, right. But why? Because we are constantly being exposed to new worlds, new ideas, new thoughts that then challenge and shake us out of the old ones. Sheena is an amazing example of this. Coaches, leaders, teachers, parents. Where can we learn? I know I have a ton, a ton to grow into yet in my many facets as a husband, as a father, as a leader, as a business owner, right? All of these things are places where I can grow and get better. And that's been the tagline of the podcast from the very beginning. But I also know that my job is to give my best no matter what. And I know what that looks like. And when I'm not, how can I learn? How can I grow? How can I get better? Sheena challenges us in all of that today. Thank you for doing that. Thank you all as listeners for joining. Hopefully you, you take some, some of this stuff and apply it in our life, right? That's what the goal of this is, is I get to have these conversations that I'm so grateful to have. And almost always I feel challenged to do something. I don't always do the thing though. My challenge for you all is do the thing, pick something, engage, learn, get better, grow. If you would share this out, I'd be so blessed and so honored if you did that. If you find value, share the conversation, grow our community, make us better also. And as always, live eyes out.